0: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Let's
1: play the fight song. Everybody, the three DMs podcast. I am Jake, joined as usual by Paul. Hello, and uh, you know, sorry we missed Saint Patty's Day here in the U.S. We, uh, well, I <laughs> had to uh, work because I do some uh, some side work as a bouncer, and that is. That is the Bar's Holy Day, but we're not going to talk about that. We are here to talk about the new book that's coming out for Dungeons and & Dragons and basically how to prep around that. So we got Ghosts of Saltmarsh coming out here pretty soon. That was the first announced big book of 2019. And uh, what that entails is going to be a lot of oceanic campaigning. and Plus some old modules. you know, course. Plus old ma- modules, but a lot of stuff for being on the ocean. So, so we decided to put the – uh, nice. We decided to put the onus of you know talking people through how to do an aquatic-based campaign because it's a very – it turns D&D into a very different kind of game. Yeah, it's, uh, uh,
0: it's definitely not the usual castles, dragons, and underground caverns kind of thing.
1: Yeah, it becomes a completely different beast. Uh, so we're going to preface this whole thing before we get going with stating a fairly obvious fact. D&D is not – necessarily built. 5e is not necessarily built to run a heavily aquatic boat-based game. There are a couple other games that do very well for that. Paul, shout them out.
0: Uh, well, 7Cs or 7 C, can't remember uh, whether it's 7Cs or 7 C is the one that immediately leaps to mind. Uh, I'm sure GURPS can do it if you want to take a look for that. Um, GURPS can do anything. Yeah. I know Pathfinder actually had a module uh, around shipbuilding, but I don't think it was handled particularly well. But if you are more interested in sort of fantasy thing like that, I would recommend it highly. Uh, yeah, outside of that, that's pretty much it. Yeah.
1: Um, that being said, it's not that 5e can't do it. It's just these systems are actually built around doing a boat thing better. So if you really want to hard focus on that, consider taking a look at those as options. But if you want to stick with your tried-true D&D, don't blame you. Let's get started on how we do that. So – very first thing, you're going to look over at your world, if you have a homebrew world or if you're running, um, you know, any, you know, your favorite preset setting or whatever. Server, yeah, yeah and your favorite preset setting. You're going to take a look at everything. You're going to take a look at your world map and find out the fairly decent chunk of area in the ocean in which most of this is going to take place. Uh, the good thing about doing an ocean campaign like this is um, historically most oceanic trade and uh, – Things that would involve action and, you know, like players doing stuff other than just shipping left to right um, usually happened in a fairly chartable chunk of area. You know, you look at the Golden Age of piracy. They were in, uh, you know, what is
0: Mostly in the Caribbean.
1: Yeah, mostly in the Caribbean islands and we had Spain and France and England involved. Uh, And the
0: Dutch. Don't forget the Dutch.
1: The Dutch. Uh, Can't forget the Dutch. You have all these powers vying, you know, for – uh, control control but also resources and various things um, you know so just examining and finding a place in your world that you would like to zoom in a bit more on and have this whole adventure take place on is pretty important analyzing your major port cities uh, what trades and what goods are going to be moved and so forth that's gonna be like just the baseline yeah, for your game
0: it's worth thinking about who is shipping uh, what? Where and – well, the why is usually going to be honest in the sense that it's obvious in the sense that it's going to be money. But sometimes there's less obvious reasons to sell people things. For example, a empire might be shipping food to its colonies or supplies to its colonies. They're not going to be selling it but they're still shipping that stuff there and somebody is probably going to want to take it from them, which is where you come in.
1: This is where the DMs and the players come in, um, not necessarily to make a pirate game but – most. Aquatic games in my in your experience devolve into piracy. Well, well,
0: I've preface, I've never personally run a oceanic game. I've played in one. It devolves into piracy very quickly. From what I hear online, that's not terribly surprising.
1: <laughs> okay, um, so let's start. You know, now that we've got, you know, zoom in on a locale, find out what part of the world you want to run this in, and what part you're going to build up in your world, um, or what whatever setting you're going to
0: use. If you want it to be an interesting game, I recommend it be either a highly populated and well-traveled area or a completely unexplored one. But we'll we'll cross that bridge here in a second.
1: Let's look at your players, and let's look at how your players are going to play into all of this. So, the idea of running an aquatic-based campaign means they're going to spend time in Port City, sure, but a you know, good chunk of the game, good meat of the game is going to spend uh, is going to take place on a boat. Now there are two very quick options we need to explore, but it very heavily influences all the other decisions you're going to be making, and that is who is in charge of the boat. And what I mean by that is, is there a captain, and these players have just been hired on to serve as muscle on the boat, or uh, you know, just Does sailors. One of the
0: players a captain? Do they on the bell? boat? Boat?
1: That is, you know, that is your complete other option. Um, so I'm going to speak – I'm going to advocate pretty heavily here for to let the players have the boat if you want to go with that hardcore aquatic game.
0: They'll probably end up owning it sooner or later. In the case.
1: <laughs> there there will be a murder at some point, um, either at their hands or someone else's hands. But um, somehow this boat is probably going to come into their position if you're running a pretty heavy aquatic game. Um, so – First things first, uh, the thing I'm going to advocate for is you let the players have the boat. Why? Because that is going to give the players something to tie to and also something that they can build up. Uh, So let's examine how the players get to this situation. Um, You know, one of them can be. Somebody can have the soldier background, be in the navy. Uh, somebody can be from a barbarian tribe that has vast experience sailing, and they, you know, they've come to make that money. Um, there's umpteen ways that a player can come into possession and wanting to own a boat because, guess what? Owning and shipping is a pretty damn good way to make
0: money. Yeah, it's very profitable. It's, it's in fact, I would go so far as to say, as the old stereotype, the old. Uh, tried-and-true thing that Dungeons & Dragons has, caravans are nothing compared to shipping.
1: Mm -hmm. It is a guaranteed moneymaker, and so players trying to get in on that shipping game would make sense, and there's a lot of fun stuff you can do with that. Uh, The first most important thing about what that does, though, for the players, it puts Destiny firmly under their grasp. Um, One of the beauties of running an aquatic game is you hand them
0: their ship, now Give them a little pat on the butt and tell them to get going?
1: Well, you know, decide pretty quick if uh, they're in debt for this ship, if this ship is, you know, being uh, leased out to them or there's some sort of contractual agreement or it's, you know, it's the best they could afford and this little ship is theirs, but damn it, they have a ship now. And after that, you give them a little pat on the butt and you let them make their own destiny. And that's one of the beauties about – running a game like this is uh, shoehorning in some end-of-the-world plot or major political drama. Um, is Major that,
0: political uh, drama, I could see. End-of-the-world plot, I don't think, fits nearly as well.
1: Political drama, though, they can still dance away from it. They can yeah. you know go to other ports or they can just be like, yo, we want nothing to do with that. We're just not going to ship with them for a while. Um, they can really effectively control their own destiny and a lot of that destiny is going to be sunk directly into the boat. Um You know, and hopefully a forged attachment to the boat. Um, So start off, you know, let them know what's available for shipping, what's for trading, um, you know, and start talking with your players to find out what they're expecting out of this game. Do they want to be pirates and smugglers and, uh, you know, some scallywags and salt dogs and all these, you know, other fun, flavorful terms to use? Or are they lawful merchants honestly trying to, you know, make it in the world? Or are they just a uh,
0: roving gang of slaughter vagrants uh, looking to find the newest creature that has no concept of home invasion yet
1: or you know somewhere in between you know their mercenary ship they'll you know they'll move items for a price they'll pirate for a price they'll work they'll do anything as long for as the, the money goes. price anything yeah so you've got your players you got them on a boat beautiful thing about having all your players on a boat Every class actually works in an aquatic campaign very well. There isn't a whole lot of like, well, I'm a ranger and normally I stick to the woods, but I guess I'll go into the city to do stuff, I suppose, even though I hate it. Um, You know, it's the same thing with other, you know, why would the barbarian want to go into the city, you know, because he's more comfortable in the wilds, you know, and normally that stuff's just hand waved away, but it actually really helps with immersion if you suddenly have players um, who all have a very common goal. And, Making money and being on a ship um, away from everybody wants civilization
0: to make those, and those Benjamins or you know, having
1: their own freedom. Yeah, it's you know, it's a very uh, you know, very, very easy way to get everybody on the same page. It's also one of the few stories that a druid doesn't really have to hand wave away, which I appreciate. Thank God, finally. <laughs> but moving on. So they've got their boat, they've maybe decided a course of action. And the first thing you should probably look at is ways to uh, jazz up and you know give them cool stuff for their boat. Um, you know this is just like some pre-campaign prep work. A list of items like magical or just standard that they can buy to improve their ship. You know, armor, more ballast, day. How we look, you know, how you look and examine uh, using certain, you know, like do they have a magical eyeglass or is it just your standard spyglass? You know,
0: has optics been invented yet? Does this one have 200x (laughs) magnification? Magnification. Can can, you see the pores in your skin when you zoom in with it?
1: Yeah. There's a lot of really, you know, fun items you can come up with a list, and that's just some pregame stuff. But let's actually talk about the, uh, I guess, the elephant in the room when it comes to items and this whole kind of theme that we're really discussing today. All right. Let's have at it. Gunpowder. Gunpowder in D&D is a very, very contentious issue because while people having guns is cool because … It's
0: also very on theme if you think of a aquatic what's uh, not – we're not fantasy. An aquatic setting and anything else, it's probably going to have cannons at least.
1: Yeah. They're going to have cannons. They're going to want to have pistols or muskets or blunderbusses, buses. Um, all these fun stuff that you're used to seeing in, you know, because when everybody thinks of piracy, they think of the golden age of piracy. They think of, you know, people doing really cool swashbucklery shit
0: with. As opposed to the Somali pirates and speedboats. Yeah, that ain't, that, later. that ain't fun
1: at all. Uh, pistols and muskets and, you know, just rip roaring and having a great time. The only problem is, is when gunpowder is heavily. You know, we we can look at history and examine this. Um, when cannons became a thing, castles became less of a thing because cannonballs can fuck up a castle pretty good. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, better than a cat, get, uh, better than a catapult. Easier to move. Doesn't require people to move a bunch of heavy stuff uh, uh, or as heavy as it requires stuff. Requires
0: them to move some moderately heavy stuff. But you're not looking for stuff. giant
1: boulders to quarry for throwing with a trebuchet. Yep.
0: Also, I should point out that. If you're not going to have castles and Dungeons and Dragons, why are you playing Dungeons and Dragons? It's like removing dungeons or dragons. Okay, Just castles are on theme. Okay,
1: Castles are on theme. But at the same time, now we have a uh, problem. Now we have a problem because either you break the rules of the rest of your setting, break some medieval stasis and allow guns to happen, which vastly alters the playing field for how everybody um, is going to function politically and army-wise moving forward. Or your boats don't have cannons and sea combat becomes ballast stage of shooting back and forth, which honestly isn't as cool as cannons. Cannons are sweet. So A lot
0: more boarding actions, but, you know.
1: Yeah, and boarding actions. We'll get to that in a bit. I suppose. Um, Let's talk about alternatives to that. Uh, Depending on the strength and power of your magic setting, this was a joke I floated to Paul, but it's actually something that I do use. Um, I just think it's really funny is the giant wand – Ideal um, I <laughs> in my setting, because uh, even though gunpowder is a thing for one race that has said, screw it to magic and, you know, not to get in the details, but that's it. They, they don't use magic. They've worked on technology and they have guns. Um, everybody else. Everybody else has stuck to magic. And so their response to the cannon is giant wands, basically taking giant, you know, taking trees, turning them into wands, just big old wands with uh, X amount of charges, usually somewhere in the hundreds.
0: You float something like 500 charges of firebolt, but it's a scaled up firebolt. Yep,
1: just a scaled up bigger firebolt. It does the same thing. You don't have to include gunpowder. You can still have your castles and your medieval stasis and all the little things that you want to keep in your setting um, while simultaneously, you know, not sacrificing some of the cool shit that pirates get to do. The aesthetics
0: of age of Sail stuff. Yeah.
1: Um, You can do the same thing with guns. Um, you know, it's a stick that does gun things, but it's powered a, by magic and a, not powder.
0: A boom stick, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Uh
1: Sorry. it's you know, it's all uh, actually anybody who is watching this on Facebook Live, check the comics uh comments because Adam is just going off with fantastic little advice bits too. Um Superfan Adam from uh <laughs> Superfan Adam who just hangs out all the time. Hey buddy. Uh so Catching back up to where we were at, though, Um, you know, deciding what you want to do with gunpowder is going to be important early on. Um, And I think the last bit of items I really want to cover, other than a certain item that we will get to in a moment, is I want to address how heavy armor is going to work because that is something that uh, I think most players and DMs should have a conversation about if you're going to play one of those tin can classes fighter paladin uh certain breeds of cleric uh who just you know end up covered they end up with full plate yeah the problem is
0: on a boat that can very quickly turn into your own personal metal coffin if you go over the side
1: and it becomes a little difficult to address because suddenly you have a player who you know if i've seen a lot of fighters dump dexterity because they want to have better intellect stats which is fine because they're counting on their better armor to save the day as compared to their dexterity and they'll just hope that they have enough HP to eat.
0: Any hits they take.
1: Yeah. Um, The problem with that is, though, is obviously the second that the boat pitches too hard and they fail a dexterity save or an athletics check, they go off the boat in a big old tin can. And
0: how long is it to uh, remove a suit of plate armor? Uh, It takes about a full minute. Yes. while you're sinking downwards rapidly.
1: Yeah. Um, Which means Hypothetically, they could survive, but they're going to lose their full plate. They're going to lose their weapons, um, and you're you're going to have a very peeved fighter. So examine ways early to um, you know mithril might be more common. Uh,
0: Just give them some sort of metal that floats in water.
1: You know, well, there's a lot of fantastical options. You know, finding a uh, you know a certain uh, maybe like a living coral or something to use as armor. You know. There's going to be a lot of races that don't get a lot of play on uh, inland stuff, like the Tritons. The sea elves are going to come up, obviously, more in a setting like this, in a game like this. So, you know, maybe they've got some really cool options to explore. Um, Just another thing to consider looking at. Cause, yeah, letting, you know, and I actually agree heavily with Adam's uh, statement here in the comments, you know, make it very clear uh, that, hey, wearing full plate. Is a good
0: way to end up at the bottom of the ocean.
1: Yeah, it's a very good way to end up at the bottom of the ocean with the boat leaving you behind. So, you know, either A, let's consider doing something else, or B, let me find ways to really make that work
0: yeah. for you. So, something else I want to bring up also uh, is money. Because we've talked a lot about making a lot of money, but what are they going to use this money on? Well, we talked about the boat improvements, but how many of those can you really have on one boat for its not so much a transport uh, vehicle, as your own personal crib. Um, well,
1: there's one thing you could buy that would actually be useful in this setting for once. The Trident of Fish Command.
0: <laughs> but you can't buy magical items, Jake.
1: Uh, you can if you use Xanathar's rules. Um, it's an optional rule. It doesn't count. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, that is one other thing I have been wanting to talk about is just uh, my other favorite
0: bit about an aquatic campaign
1: the Triton of Frish command isn't just immediately thrown in the nearest wastebasket for one d eight damage.
0: Is it really one d eight? That's kind of sad. no,
1: no. It's one d six actually when it's when it's thrown. Yeah, it's it's actually just a spear. It's literally just a spear made marshal. It, That's depressing. Very. um but no, trying to fish command is actually useful, and they can buy one. You know why? Because guess what? Feeding a bunch of people on your ship is kind of hard to do. You know what's really easy to do? Use that Trident fish command. Get some tuna to swim up. Who wants sashimi, bitches? Guess what? It's on. It, it's it's up for dinner three times a day. We're gonna have sushi. We're gonna have tuna. You're gonna asleep. learn to hate it. You're gonna learn to hate a
0: luxury food. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, back to where you were at, Paul. Um, it's just a lot of Dungeons and Dragons games focus around the acquisition of money. And yet in all in all my time running fifth edition, I don't think I've ever seen players use a serious amount of money to buy anything.
1: Yeah, it five E does have a you know, maybe
0: it, In other editions, you had things like you needed to get money to get experience in some cases or you needed to buy training or you needed to upkeep a castle or acquire property. But fifth edition doesn't really bother with those. And yes, having a boat and a crew that you'll need to pay for means that you'll have more money being sunk into that. But why are you doing all this trading and piracy if all you're going to do with that money is melt it down and turn it into a chair to sit on when you retire?
1: Well, there are effective ways around that and this is where – Also, it's
0: illegal. Don't do that.
1: Yeah. There are a lot of uh, ways around that and the one that we're going to address is where most people's eyes glaze over. But please stay with us.
0: Taxes. Taxes.
1: So let's talk about taxes for a second, because this is actually where you can develop a lot of great villains in a setting. It turns out bureaucracy really pisses a lot of people off.
0: Yeah, is there anyone who likes bureaucracy?
1: Um, bureaucrats. Ha ha There, yeah. So the thing with taxes, people, though, so. um, you know, the thing that we can have a lot of money to do, and uh, this is going to be something that I hope someone in your party is going to want to take the onus of. Uh, that is going to be. You know, somebody who does the ledger, does the accounting, figure out where the money's going. Um, you can actually run a pretty uh if you go back to our horror episode, check us out on SoundCloud and other places you find podcasts if you want to listen back to our uh, horror episode because we talk a lot about being lean and how that can create stress in a good way. Um, you can definitely put a bit of a squeeze on your player if they have upset the bureaucratic Apple cart
0: and suddenly, taxes start going way up.
1: Yep. Oh, what's that?
0: Uh you did something we didn't like
1: last time you were in town. So now that you've docked and you've paid your docking fee great. Um the leaving dock fee has gone up 50%. And that's just cuz you've kind of ticked them off. If you did something that really pissed them off, then congratulations. Um your boat is being searched. Yeah, uh, being searched for contraband and every time you come goods. into port yeah, um, you know, they make it so. They make it
0: seem that your business isn't really wanted there. Um, Something else to consider on this level is players in general hate taxes with a burning passion. Yes. So get them started early and often on paying their taxes or they're going to look for ways around it. Yeah. Of course, looking for ways around it is a good way to piss off those exact same bureaucrats. You know, if I mean if the
1: Libertarian Party was smart, they would just have everybody play Dungeons and Dragons games sponsored by them and then just tax the shit out of them. And then they'd have a pretty successful power base very quick. (laughs) Just putting that out there. Um.
0: It's strange. It's something that has so little power can make people so angry.
1: Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, offer them other ways as well. To avoid maybe tax loopholes or uh, smart ways to do things, we'll get we'll get to this a little bit more in exploration. You have
0: to hire a shady accountant,
1: you know. Hire a shady accountant. Uh, this is where thieves guild contacts can come in. And again, this is really where players can control their own destiny and let them go out and carouse and work the crowds in these port cities. Let them make allies. Maybe they're going to be allies in the military.
0: You know, hey, or one of their soldier, uh, one of their sailor buddies from the sailor background.
1: Yep, they can. You know, hey, I. Uh, I know this. I know a guy who's uh, pretty good friends with an admiral for this city's fleet. Um, you know, maybe I can arrange a meeting and you have a nice little conversation. Throw a little bit of money on the table, and uh, you know he's going to ignore checking your ship out when you're in their waters. You know, saves you time, saves you hassle, and allows you to maybe move some weight, uh, some illegal weight into that city if that's what your players want to do. Alternatively, you know, if they want your players. If your players are being run by a paladin uh, and they want to hunt down piracy because piracy is evil and death to the betrayers,
0: um, then – All I'm saying is piracy is the scourge of mankind. Yeah, and it should be destroyed. This is why we have roving death squads of paladins. This is
1: why we have roving death squads of paladins everywhere. Um, if you want to have – you know, your, if your players want to go down and track down pirates, cool. Have them talk to that guy. Have them go out, work crowds for information. Um Gain stuff like that and sticking to the whole tax theme and getting to know people thing. You can really let them shape their own destiny by how and who they affect with this. This is I guess this is a weird way of also how to do a completely story free game um, because your players interests can be completely in their ship what they find, what they do, and what enemies they make along the way. Your prep work is actually a lot simpler in this setting because you just have to figure out who's in charge, who they're going to talk to, and that's it, and just react. This is a very reactionary style of game, Mm -hmm. um, at least the way we are proposing it. Um, So as we are finishing up here with items and stuff, uh, I guess, yeah, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Try establishing some trade goods. Um, there is a if you want fantastic ideas by the way for how to run a fun oceanic campaign with some fantastical elements highly ch- uh, highly recommend checking out the game Sunless Sea Sunless
0: Sea yes it's available on Steam for I believe ten dollars
1: yeah it's and it's amazing there is a underground ocean and this isn't a pitch for the game but I just really love it so and it really ties in to what we're talking about today. It's on thematic point. Yeah. There's very fantastical elements. There's a lot of crazy stuff out there and there's a heavy trade in investing and making money element. Um, Great for checking out, for mining ideas for your games. Uh, But figure out what is going to be trafficked and sold between cities um, or what's just going to be moved and what you're going to get paid for. Um, There's a lot of great thematic elements you can play with, you know, oh, certain elements from certain cities aren't allowed, so on and so forth. And, you know, really have your players kind of scrambling, looking over that map and talking about what their next move is. Well, we have what is contraband in this city, but we only have enough supplies to get to that city. So maybe do we try to force a landing somewhere, hide this cargo and come back for it? What do we do? You can create a lot of very interesting scenarios for your players just based on political yes and no, also known as taxes. Because <coughs> so, players hate losing money and hate feeling like they got one over it.
0: Yeah, so – Something else to be added also is trade goods – well, many of them have different va- – uh, not values. Well, yes. Many of them will have different values in different areas. But also you need to consider uh, how how they're storing this, how they're keeping it and why and how are they acquiring it. Yeah. Um. So – are they doing the arbitrage thing where they go to one city and sell their silk there and pick up coffee somewhere else and ship it back to the city they bought silk from? Or are they acquiring it from an island only they know about and selling it at a dramatic markup?
1: Um, let's get on to the next bit.
0: All right. If you want.
1: I, I think – but uh, just to put a neat little bow on that that we're going to touch back on one more time, um, you know, just figure out – what is worth what and where, and you you'll very quickly find your players writing their own story very easily for themselves. Yeah, you just have to do the hard work of putting down um, political rules and writing tax authority, which is
0: tax, tax for farm.
1: I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and like dress it up as the, one of the funnest things you get to do as a DM. But hey, sometimes there's dirty work that needs to be done, and writing down decent tax code <laughs> has to be done. Um, so. Let's move on. Um, let's talk about exploration
0: and navigation. Yeah. So this is the other half if your players don't want to be traders or pirates. That is to say uh, traders or people trading stuff that other people moving goods or
1: stealing goods. Um, there is still a decent other route to go there's and that lots
0: of ocean to cover.
1: There's a lot of ocean to cover and there is a professional exploring to be done. Surveyors,
0: map makers, uh, cartographers for anybody who yells at me for saying map making and um, It's – also the ocean is – again, as Jake said to me in the parking lot, this is very much of a – people would like to do – have a relatively advanced world but also have a lot of it be unknown. Uh, Exploring the ocean and finding islands or far-off lands is a good way to do that without stretching credibility in your setting.
1: Yeah. Um, There is a – a hard part about doing a land-based exploration thing, it either requires a very early history point in your own setting or a setting that is so damn lethal and mean built on the ruins of a old thing. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it just requires like everybody huddling in cities and then eventually, you know, pressing outward. Um, uh, Alan, I'm going to ask you to uh, expand on that as in what context? Um by the way, anybody listening to the uh, recording of this, we interact with our Facebook Live group, so please just you know tune in. into shows, talk to us, and yeah, we will uh, we will talk to you and we will answer questions live on the air. Um, back to what I was at before. Alan answers his question though. Uh, so, what I mean by exploration and stuff like that is inland it it can be a little difficult and can be a little hard to you know just kind of break away i mean a good example of it done very well is chult um from tomb of annihilation where a lot of it is based on overland exploring and finding lost ancient parts of the world but um on the flip side when compared to the ocean setting it's a lot easier it's a lot friendlier and it, there's a much more fantastical element about it um, because one thing about Chult that gets a little stressful is uh, the fact that you're constantly trying not to die. There is a beautiful romantic aspect to sailing on the ocean and your players can have a lot of fun with that. And even if they are trading and you know doing piracy and stuff, they can still stumble across islands and other unexplored things and you can really let them shape the world and do cool little mm-hmm. things.
0: Uh something I do want to add is we're probably going to talk about underwater things later. Uh, but right now we're focusing mostly on the boat aspect. Um,
1: yeah. So really quick, we got to answer back from Alan. So, um, there is a way I just want to, we'll answer this on the side. Um, there is a way we'll jump back to the last conversation we were having about piracy and trade goods. There is definitely an influence that can be had with people, uh, Getting an offer too good to refuse or maybe being sanctioned into being pirates or press ganged. Um, As you said before, a government uh, asking a boat and paying a price that is a little too good to ignore to go out and just disrupt trade routes is definitely a thing. Um, I'm not super huge on for an aquatic campaign. Now, maybe for a regular campaign where, hey, we need really badass people to go out and fuck up some trade routes. Then, yeah, them getting press ganged and being pirates for a couple of sessions can actually be fun. On the flip side of that, if this is a game where they're supposed to – you know, an aquatic campaign where letting them have their own destiny is, I think, a really big part of the freedom of doing the sailing and all that in the first place, I definitely uh, prefer the idea of them making that – their bed and sleeping in it of becoming pirates themselves. Paul, you got anything to add to that?
0: No, not really. You pretty much covered what I was going to say. OK.
1: Um, finishing up on – Exploration and Navigation. um, We have to decide, too, how intense your players' jobs are going to be on the ship. Uh, And what I mean by that is, so everybody on the on your vessel is probably gonna have a job. Um, you know, one or another, anyway. We talked earlier about letting, you know, the players elect who their captain is gonna be, and that's fine. But you still need if we're just gonna cover very simple jobs, we're not gonna list every job on a damn boat from the eighteen hundreds, because that would be a completely different show.
0: And also you can probably just Google that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, you know just simple things like quartermaster, uh, you know, the your arms master Your cook, your surgeon, your woodworkers, your swabs,
0: your first mates,
1: your first mates, your navigators. There's your bosuns. There's so many
0: different you know jobs your players could take up.
1: Yeah, so let them figure out what jobs they want to have first of all, because this comes. uh, This is going to come up into something I'm really excited to talk about, and that is ocean-based encounters. Um, So one of the things about doing a campaign like this is that your players are going to spend a lot of time on the boat. Figure out if they want to have it be very simulationist or very, you know, just like... Loose. You know, just very loose. Yeah, I am the cook on the boat. Cool. I go out and I do cook things. You know, I am the captain of the boat. I steer the I steer the ship. Hooray! And then I have meetings with the navigator in my quarters and we drink brandy. Look at us. We're fancy. Or are there going to be dice rolls uh, being used every time for navigation checks? You know?
0: Are you going to mess up and get lost? Some- Somewhere in the South Seas.
1: You know, yeah, is uh, going to be a little too cloudy for star charts to work for the next couple of days. And, you know, you're just hoping on, you know, hoping that staying that course is going to work.
0: That's I think the, the thing you should talk to your players about before you start running. I
1: think the, I think the right answer for most parties is going to lie somewhere in the middle. Um, but, you know, hey, maybe they want to have a more simulationist thing or maybe a more loose thing. Um, but... You know, have that conversation with them, figure out what jobs they do and figure out how those can affect things. Uh, But getting to the combat part that I really want to talk about combat and monsters, I guess, should also be discussed at this point. So aquatic, pure aquatic monsters are pretty rare. Yeah, there's they're obviously the lowest demand in the book because they're not accounting for full ocean based campaign stuff Um
0: so you've got your Krotoa or however you pronounce that, yeah, your cool. Sahawag. Again, I can't pronounce any of these names. Mero. Uh, uh, Merfolk, Tritons, Aboleths, Krakens, uh, certain forms of dinosaurs or aquatic. Plesiosaurs. Whales. Killer whales. Sharks. Daniel, the cooler Daniel. Uh, <laughs> Wear sharks, which aren't a thing, but I wish they were. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone you... in the full moon, I turn into a shark.
1: Yeah, which is like awesome. Unless it's just like you're running for the beach and then suddenly just gills start popping out and you're like, shit, just (laughs) flopping around on the ground. Lady, put me in the water, please. I won't eat you. Um, But uh, your monster list is pretty short. And I think a boarding and getting boarded option also doesn't lend – Like too much excitement after the first couple of gasps. Like it's
0: got to be a civilized creature that is capable of using boarding tools. So you're not going to get your usual gray render or dragon or anything like that. You're going to get a bunch of different humanoids. Yeah, I mean
1: and you can run the game with all of them and have different tactics and those can work and still be exciting conflicts. But the luster of fighting on your boat or fighting on someone else's boat definitely wears off after – the first couple of times. This is
0: something I should point out is once your characters have gotten a high enough level to acquire magic items to let them breathe underwater, you can greatly vary the uh, scape of battle. Yeah. Because obviously there's huge underwater seas. You've got uh, ancient ruins lur- lurking at the bottom of the ocean. You've got kelp forests. I mean you can probably do that on the surface too. But
1: you know, And then there's also just the random like really dumb shit choices they could make like, oh, hey, let's go raid this dragon turtle's lair. <laughs> More on Dragon Turtles in a bit, because they're one of my favorites. Um, letting your players, you know, when it comes to combat, I think one of the beauties of this brand of story for D&D is the fact that they can travel to new and exciting locales. Um and they can encounter different and weird things, especially if the setting has enough aura of mystery about it.
0: You can find fantastical places. And you, can you can find kill fantastic. the inhabitants. Yep,
1: exactly. We call it uh, being Spanish.
0: <laughs> too soon. I know it's in four hundred years, but too soon.
1: Yeah, yeah. I need to wait another six hundred years to make that joke. All right. Sorry. Anyway, I was um, going to
0: say. Um, damn it! I've lost the track. Uh, something. Something. Uh, No, I've completely lost it. (laughs) Um,
1: But as, uh, okay, so back to where we're at with combat. Um, You know, having them go to these different ports and small islands, you can definitely get your fix of random monsters and things they will encounter. Yeah,
0: because this is Dungeons & Dragons. Almost every class's options are defined by combat, so you can't just cut combat out or entirely abstract it. I would recommend playing a different game if you'd like to do that. But I want to
1: look at who your potential villains are. So we already talked about... Mid level bureaucracy being, uh, you know, being a, a very good villain, um, you and know, it's and not d-
0: even one you could just you know bust the door down and hack to pieces too, because it's the engine of bureaucracy, not the individual bureaucracy.
1: Yeah, you're dealing with a lot of red tape and whatnot. Um, and then there's you know enemies you have made along the way. You know, if you said no to doing pirate stuff, then the pirates are going to remember that. If you said no to the government about stopping the pirates, the then government's going to remember. That. Government's going to remember that. So you're going to have those villains, which are fine.
0: And even leaving aside that even if you're just being a peaceful shipper like even if you're just trading things eventually you're going to muscle in on someone's corner of the market and they're going to decide that you can't keep doing that
1: yeah um you know with those things you know they're you know those things will come up uh but the other options that you have are to look at some of the big ocean monsters too which are fun you know you we've got your kraken We've got the Dragon Turtle. Those were, I think, the two big heavy hitters that we really haven't dove into yet because those are...
0: we talk about Aboleths too, I believe. But Aboleths. are more of a lake thing.
1: And they're also a bit lower on the food chain um, in terms of party level. Um, the other one I really want to talk about, though, with uh, combat or a, a situation that's very similar to combat and something that's very fun you can do in this situation is Mama Nature herself. And what I mean by that is... The beauty of being on a boat is is when a storm pops up, there is a opportunity for a very sexy death to happen. And what I mean by that is just so I can clarify a.
0: Yes, please clarify what you mean by sexy. Okay,
1: so players traveling through a desert are not going to be thrilled about dying of dehydration and heat stroke. That is not a fun death. That is a death that is just, you know, walking through the desert. Getting lost and dropping to their knees and passing out. Um, it's kind of the same with a tundra or an Antarctic, you know, frozen, freezing as, to death. Freezing to death. It's you know just the opposite. Um, again, it's not very fun. Um, in terms of like dying
0: is rarely fun.
1: Dying is rarely fun, but you know, players usually at least like go yeah, but he went out like a badass. You know,
0: a dramatic death matters as much as a heroic one.
1: Yes, and so by sexy death, I mean. Let's make it drama, drama, drama. And with that, on the ocean, in the middle of a storm,
0: and having a storm pop up out of nowhere,
1: maybe it's due to that kraken or a dragon turtle. Maybe it's not. it's due not. to
0: those stupid storm classes. No, actually, I can't even complain about it this episode because yeah. storm classes actually make sense.
1: I need you to sit down on that. <laughs> um, you can have a storm pop up out of nowhere, and we can use the good old-fashioned fourth edition. um, Skill challenge. Yep. And the skill challenge, in case you're unfamiliar with how it works, hey, a you know, you're gonna
0: it's a group effort yep. with a set of skills, and you need to achieve so many successes before so many failures.
1: Yes. Um,
0: Everybody uh, can contribute. It's usually one person at a time, so on and so forth.
1: Yes. Um, and what's great about that is is you can have very phenomenal, like just dramatic moments of just your party against nature and you can weave a fantastic story on. Okay. You can't
0: multi-attack a storm, but you should, you can sure batten down the hatches. Well, you've
1: got your, you know, you've got your ranger at the wheel, you know, he's got himself tied to the wheel so we can try to steer the ship. He's trying his best to navigate because God damn it. He took ocean as his favorite terrain. He should be able to work this one out, but maybe he can't. Um, And by the way, I know it's not in the book, but hey, listen, Ranger already has a hard enough time as a class, full time anyways. Technically,
0: they have coasts of air train.
1: Eh, Yeah, well, I'd still take ocean. I'd I'd still just let them, you know, means they're just, you know, charting the stars and whatnot. Um, What up, Patrick? How you doing, bud? Um, Also, Adam, I just want to shout out uh, Pirate Lich. We actually did that. Um, If we have time at the end for stories, uh, Paul and I will talk about why there is a flying ghost ship in my game that just won't go away and everybody loves it too much. Um, But moving on. You know, you've got your ranger trying to make navigation survival checks. Um, You know, you've got the fighter downstairs who is currently just trying to hold heavy objects from crashing,
0: building as fast as
1: is yep. humanly possible. Yeah,
0: just building with them big old
1: muscles. You know, you've got the wizard running around screaming, casting, mending on everything he can touch as just, you know, the cargo's coming loose starts
0: and falling apart
1: around you. And, you know, you can then have the great fun story to tell of if they all survive the storm and the boat hasn't sank um, oh,
0: great if somebody gets swept off the boat as they're running across to try to uh, try to save one of their crates of goods uh, well that's pretty dramatic
1: yeah there is. A lot of fun stuff that can be done with a encounter like that and it can create drama and it can create the same uh, chances of loss, especially if they are attached
0: and love their ship and they love their crew members. Um, Here's so- another fun thing to do. Drop this on them while they're doing a boarding action. And by fun, I mean for me. Okay. Which is what matters. Okay. You bastard. <laughs> Go ahead. That way you can have a climactic duel and thunderstorm while – Everything is falling down around you, and one of the two is going to get thrown in the ocean at the end. I can say that much.
1: Yeah, you. you, you, Yeah, you save this for the end. You save this for the Pirates of the Caribbean three movie, and then you just try not to make another one. Disney (laughs) (laughs) bitches.
0: Are they on seven now or something?
1: Uh, I think like that, and I think I'm now going to have some mouse-headed assassin coming after me because I just insulted the mouse on the the house of
0: mouse will not
1: take this lying. The mouse will get their recompense. Um, Moving forward, (laughs) Uh, now the great part about Another great part about doing this kind of a campaign setting because, again, there's actually a lot of virtues to running a game like this. Um, The beauty of having everybody on a boat is you can actually heavily develop some NPCs and come up with some really interesting actions. Um, You know, the beauty of a shipping crew is that – know You're going to
0: be on a boat with them for quite a while.
1: Yep. And people are going to be coming and going depending on what ports you go to. Okay, Well, I want to settle down here. I want to get –
0: Press gang some people, some people escape. Yep, you know, bastards.
1: You know, it depends on all on how the whole thing's going. But what you can definitely do with this is you can take time that you normally don't get to build up certain NPCs, especially if the party kind of likes them. Um, Oftentimes, uh, you will design an NPC, you give them some bare bones because you just really don't have the time to flesh them out. The party doesn't really attach to them um, or the party really attaches to them and you, oh, shit, OK, I got to come up with a lot more for them. Um, you know, you, I've also had the time where you know I think everybody does this, where they come up with two or three pages of backstory for an NPC because they're like, god, he's so cool. And then your players just don't give a shit and you're just like.
0: But guys, he's so cool. He's so cool. Look at him. It's 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 a problem that it's hard to tell what other people are going to like, especially a group of, you know, three to six other people. So it's, it's very hard at first glance to tell who's going to latch on to who.
1: Yeah. Um, but this definitely does give you time to build up. Oh, yeah. I guess we should get back to that comment. We do have a question. Um, what kind of saving throws? It really is situational and depending on where they have on the
0: ship. I would recommend strength most of the time. Actually, it's pretty underused and that's
1: athletic well again it depends like so let's say the boat is currently you know it's pitching and rocking in the storm and it tilts 45 degrees and then it goes to that 50 degrees and we got everybody for a hot second doing the titanic you know just like hanging on um i could definitely see dexterity like from a rogue coming into play like as he jumps from one fixed pl- uh, piece of the ship to another just to kind of like you know, rest his back against it. it. It's highly situational, and what's going to run them?
0: Definitely recommend a physical attribute, whatever the oh, case.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, you're you're not going to charisma save your
0: way out of the storm. Can I? Can I flash a winning smile <laughs> at the storm? <laughs> can I?
1: Yeah. Can I grin and can I? Sed, can I seduce the waves right now? That's a bard. That that is exactly what a bard would do. And see, we're doing it to ourselves, and oh. we, and we just railed about this on our bard show a couple episodes ago. Check out oh. our archives. Um. If you want to hear a spicy take on bards and seduction,
0: um, but the beauty again of NPCs with uh, no, they're going to be trapped with is they're <laughs> going to have to listen to their backstory.
1: Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's being a little heavy handed <laughs> with the DMing, but yeah, you can find out who they latch onto and definitely build story around that Um, if they get really attached to your grandmotherly cook um, who is on her last voyage across the sea because, oh, you were just happened to head to where I want to settle down, you know, get some stories out of her and, you know, maybe maybe a small side quest when they get to the island.
0: Yeah, And that helps you get invested in not only in the characters, but in the world,
1: Um, you know, it all. You know, it 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 gives you great opportunity to build characters and build better narrative. Uh, whereas with Overland D anD D, and especially with spells like teleport and things like that, and where the magic comes up, uh, it can make things really messy and just like, well, I know, I know, I planned on uh, you guys being here for a while, but y'all just hop, you know, used a teleport spell and went across country, so. Grabs grabs campaign notes and throws them over his shoulder and has to come up with new shit on the fly. Um,
0: let's see. What else do we have to finish up with? Well, there's plenty to finish up with. But we could talk more about um, how you can use characters that have been developed to raise stakes. Uh, I mean the cheap GMing trick in me would say uh, kill them off for cheap shock value. Cheap heat. But more importantly, it would be things that – it would make them more attached to their boat and their crew and it would help – Give a sense of this is what we're doing X, Y, and Z for.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, I guess another thing I want to talk about with combat too is definitely the uh, – playing with the idea of just the ship-on-ship battles. I mean we got it Unearthed can about it. It's a little wacky. D&D is not
0: really the kind of game I would associate with vehicle <sighs> combat.
1: Well – here is one thing I will say for it, but you definitely have to uh – I'm going to go into some homebrew territory here because I think you have to really ignore the hard-pressed rules of D&D combat. Um, so on a ship versus ship when it's we got a cannon situation happening, this is my advice for how to deal with that because I think it's a lot more entertaining because I've done the old-fashioned. All right, wizard, what are you doing now? I'm going to cast a spell at the other ship because I don't fire the cannons. Great. You cast that spell, bud. All right, fighter, what are you doing? I'm firing the cannon. Okay, great. Um, Instead, I open it up. I just have the ships roll initiative, Um, and then on their ship side, they obviously do all their actions. But on our ship side, I leave it a loose initiative, meaning whoever wants to act can act.
0: But they only get to act once per ship term.
1: Yes, Um, meaning you know the cleric. Hey, we just got hit by a cannon shell. You know, cannonball blew up. You know, it's an exploding cannonball had gunpowder inside of it and it was fired by gunpowder and 12 of our guys are down on the deck well then the cleric wants to go over there and start you know dragging bodies to safety and healing cool you know instead of the six second turn we have maybe a 20 second turn yeah or a 30 second turn you know this way in the combat makes a bit more sense because pitch sea uh, pitch battles can take a while <laughs> take um, hours even yeah they, they shouldn't take uh, 48 seconds um, you know meanwhile the fighter is you know realizes that you know there's been a Whole blown in the ship, and maybe the gunpowder. If you're letting that thing happen, has gotten wet. Okay, so now he's got to find new solutions to you know get the hurt across. Uh, Start throwing javelins. Yeah, get the hurt across the way, or you know has to be more selective about his shooting, or maybe you know suggest a ramming tactic. Um, You know, just letting all that space happen more openly, and not just like I think the be- I think the best way to describe it would be kind of like a fa- Final Fantasy fight. Where it's just all the players just kind of lined up and going. My go. You know, just giving a strong middle finger to the other boat, (laughs) calling it a day.
0: Um, There's something else I'd like to add into combat if you think we have time for it. Yeah, go ahead. So swinging from rigging, climbing rigging, (laughs) fighting and rigging, this is obviously a huge staple of swashbuckling tradition. Uh,
1: Patrick did mention earlier, please no sliding down the sail with your dagger.
0: (laughs) Yeah, don't do that. That's kind of bad. But it's but, also just, hey, thematically. It's so iconic. Sexy. That said, I do want to caution against, and I obviously I can't tell you how to run your life and how to run your game, but I would recommend against making players do too many roles for things, especially cool things, because you're basically saying, okay, here's your cool thing, tax. Yeah. So if somebody wants to swing from a rope, just, just let them. Um, all right. We got about... Nine minutes left,
1: and let's fill it with some final thoughts. And nine we'll, minutes
0: of final thoughts? Yeah, dude,
1: we got nine minutes of final thoughts. Well, it's going to probably be uh, about three minutes of final thoughts. A um, couple of things that we missed that I really want to dig into. Um, I want to talk about Dragon Turtles for one second because I just think they're the shit. Hit me. Um, okay, I. so if anybody's played Tomb of Annihilation or read the book, there is a fantastic encounter that I highly recommend spicing into any – um, any aquatic campaign just right in the beginning to establish a threat of something that can easily kick their ass but doesn't have to uh, can add a lot of flavor to your world. And that is running into the I can't remember his name, but it's a one eyed dragon turtle um, who comes up and just literally just like starts making the boat, you know, pitch and swirls. He makes uh, whirlpools and is just like pay me, bitch. That that's basically is character. And, you know, it's a great thematic writing, like whoever at uh, wizards of the coast wrote that, like that is one of my favorite, just like little encounters. Cause it can take about up about an hour, but it definitely informs player actions agency. Um, also just as another thing, because you rarely get to see them in campaigns cause they're so bound to the ocean. Um, they definitely make great, uh, like a great little campaign thing you can do, as well as like a maybe a big final hurrah for your ship is a group of ships going out to face a dragon turtle in combat.
0: Yeah, which is going to end poorly for the ships. I got to tell you, but. steam breaths a hell of a drug. Plus, aren't they technically siege weapons?
1: Um, yes, they are. <laughs> uh, shout out to Adam for knowing or forgetting the name of uh, the dragon turtle real quick. It's Aramag. I thought oh, it was that's pretty good,
0: but I did not want. I did not want to butcher it. Um. Can I add some uh, interesting locations I recommend yes. to people who'd like to throw some fantastical adventure? Because not everywhere is going to be Tortuga or some other location. True. Yeah, you're right. Some interesting things to do is a heavily forested sea, like there's trees underwater instead of kelp. Uh, so you're sailing over a forest, and you can see, you know, sea elves underneath there, and you're kind of wondering what the hell's going on. Yeah, uh, inhabited little spits of rock out in the ocean, like you know the Skull Island in Peter Pan. Yeah.
1: Or Or Skull Skull Island, King Kong.
0: Yeah, any of those. Uh, Obviously, if you don't have dinosaurs in your wider setting, uh, Dinosaur Island is a good place to uh, have something they can discover. Oh, my God. It's fuck off huge lizards. (laughs) Uh, Another one is Just Alan Grant running around the shore. Help. Help. Another one to steal directly from Sunless Sea is uh, a – Island that is nothing but boats roped together, like old and rotting boats. Yep, that a civilization lives on. There, okay, there is a lot of great things to steal from Sunless Sea if you're going to do an aquatic campaign. Um, I would recommend playing the game and just taking half the locations and peppering them in at random.
1: Yeah, just because um, again, uh, let's see the Dawn Machine, fun. The sun, the sun, the sun, the sun, the sun, the sun, the Advent Horizon. Yep, also creepy as fuck, spookily dookily. Uh,
0: the pff, can't remember the. Mount Palmerston's a volcano island. I recommend highly having volcanoes somewhere in your. Uh, volcanoes setting. are fun. Um, there's obviously the city of rats and hamsters. <laughs> uh, the f- just okay, just buy the damn game. <laughs> um, just go the buy island the damn game. island of spiders. It's,
1: we can't. Yeah, we can't recommend it enough. Just buy the damn game. Yeah, the island uh, of lost letters. Yep. The, the, the giant eyeball this. that opens up underneath you. On the, just just buy the damn game. Um,
0: uh, outside of that. So outside of the of Fish Command, are there any magical items you can also recommend? I mentioned before that you should at some point have your players come across an easy way to provide lots of water breathing as being able to not only fight on this world but the one below is also important.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that as far as like adding extra magical items, um, I – now granted I'm a sucker for like uh, – how do I want to phrase it? I'm a sucker for – like World War Two and 1950s era tech and definitely that like kind of art style, aesthetic. that art style, that aesthetic. Um, and God, I'm trying to think of it. Uh, everything in bio, art deco. There we go. I'm a big art deco guy. Um, I do love the idea of just a magical underwater diving suit. That is, gee, I don't know, big old brass diving suit. Um, there is a lot of fun stuff you can do with that, obviously. I mean, if you – any any ocean adventure book you've read, Treasure Island, uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Moby Dick, there is so many great just big encounters you can pull from that stuff um, and also, you know, great characters. The ocean adventure has long been a big thing for mankind to think about and to imagine. I mean Alexander the Great was trying to get to Oceanus, you know. Ever you know everybody has always you know we had manifest destiny in the United States about just getting to the ocean. It's the idea of what's out there and what lies beyond. Um, I guess if I was going to recommend any other things to watch just for fun, little stuff would be Jaws because giant scary shark is giant yeah. scary shark, mm-hmm. and that's still a great encounter. Especially if you have a boat that's the size like that can be a very great
0: dire sharks.
1: Uh, just a great first leveling or a first level three encounter for your players. You know, everybody's level three. You got a five man boat conveniently named the Orca
0: <laughs> and, uh, Amity Island needs some help, boy. Um, even leaving that aside, if you need other plot hooks, we both highly recommend you check out science fiction as any sort of, we're on a ship and dealing with events can be adapted pretty easily.
1: to Yes. Fantasy yeah. City. Oh God. Yeah. We did forget that. Star Trek can, uh, like Star Trek, Star Wars, uh, Stargate SG one. Um, Doctor Who um, kind of counts. It, it's loose, but it counts. But any kind of show where there is a set amount of characters and they're on a ship and then week to week they have to deal with different po- problems and they travel around makes great fodder, fodder for man. this. Um, I think that um, I definitely would recommend Star Trek.
0: Yeah, especially Star Trek. But.
1: Just to ape from. like I'm not even a huge Trekkie myself, but there is a lot of episodes that I could easily see just being like, and we'll do this week for d d um, all right, guys. Well, we're running out of time, so we're gonna wrap up here. Um, next time you see us, it is so we're gonna try to get back on our normal show schedule. Um, so it's actually gonna be a little while. Uh, it's so not next week, um, not the week after that. It's gonna be three weeks until we're back on, and then we're gonna be back on normal show schedule. The whole St. Patty's Day thing really messed everything up, and then also with our just kind of our regular schedules as well. So we're really sorry about that, but. Uh, we're going to get back on soon. Next time we do the show, we are going to be talking about not anything DM related. We are going to talk about how to play the game as a new player. Uh, we're going to have a guest in the studio for that, uh, a friend of mine who just started his own podcast. Uh, we're going to do a bit of a cross show on that, and you know, get some back and forth on how to how to be a good player and how to be a good new player and because if
0: you're still looking for uh, jamming advice. We're going to be talking about storytelling too.
1: Yep. You know, it's gonna be a nice little storytelling, uh, new player vibe. Um, you know, just and trying to get trying to get everybody to meet in the middle and find what they want and they can get the best out of this hobby. Um, you have any ideas for shows, please hit us up at facebook.com slash three DMs. We will either direct you to a episode that we did on the topic, or we will excitedly take notes because Damn, coming up with show topics is getting a little crusty. We're we're starting, we're starting to run into a lot of shit that we've already done. Um, you really enjoy the show? Please head over to Facebook.com slash 3DM's podcast and Free give us a like. The old-fashioned way. Yep. It is linked in our show notes here. Um, if you want to hear more of our show, uh, head over to SoundCloud or... Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts, except for Spotify. They hate us for some reason. We don't know why. We're going to figure it out someday. We've been beefing for a while. I've paid for Spotify for eight years. They should have my show, goddammit. Um, find us wherever you get your podcast that isn't Spotify. Listen to our stuff. Give us feedback. Send us messages. Follow us on Twitter at three, uh, twitter.com slash three underscore pod. Uh, yeah, underscore. three underscore DMs underscore pod. Um, I I am making an attempt to tweet more, but I think Clint, the long lost host of this show, is about to take over our Twitter for us. Um, yeah, mm, interesting stuff, I'm Paul. Any final notes? Any
0: final final thoughts? Well, I wish you all luck if you hope if you hope to run an aquatic game in the near future.
1: All right. Well, uh, and. Dragon Turtle Steam Breath needs to be used more. That's all I got. I'm Jake. I'm Paul. And this has been the show this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we will catch you next time. Bye-bye. Wait for it. Oh, I didn't record it. Damn it. Oh, well.